My name is Amy McJury. I'm a real estate investor, best-selling author, and HGTV personality. And if you want to learn to define your best life and have the courage to live it, you should be listening to the More Than Corporate podcast with my good friend, Amber Furman. Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast, where we discuss finding fulfillment, defining success, and living your best life. There's no roadmap to success, no one-size-fits-all answer to fulfillment. I believe it requires us all to be vulnerable and authentic about what we want to accomplish and have the courage to step out of our comfort zone to chase our dreams. Keep listening to hear stories from inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate podcast. I am super excited to bring an interview to you with Amy Majori. This is part of the podcast event that I've been talking to you guys about. And Amy's story is just so fantastic. I cannot wait to dig in and um, have her give you some nuggets of wisdom through through her journey. Amy is an expert real estate investor and educator, best-selling author, HGTV personality, and keynote speaker. For the past 19 years, she studied the art of strategic networking. And before pushing her passion into entrepreneurship, Amy was a highly recognized global leader. After 14 years in corporate America, Amy quickly recognized that a traditional education combined with the security of a nine to five was not going to produce the results that she wanted to achieve. Amy's success can be attributed in large part to her team building talents and cutting edge business systems. She focuses on surrounding herself with some of the most dynamic and dedicated entrepreneurs, mentors, peers, employees, and investors. Her trainings include strategic networking, team building, problem solving, outsourcing, and raising capital. Amy has a genuine interest in helping others succeed. Most of her success originates from her belief in working smarter, not harder. Amy's number one goal is to provide the absolute highest level of service to her clients. And I am so excited to dig into an interview with her. Before we do that, if you're someone who has ever said the words, I'll be happy when, or if you say, I just need to keep insert whatever here, losing weight, working hard, building my career, and then I'll be happy, the Define Your Life Mastermind is for you. The most powerful question anybody ever asked me is, what does success mean to you? And as I've explored this topic on my podcast and with my coaching clients, it's become clear that most people don't ask this question enough. The Define Your Life Mastermind is designed to help you get clear on what success means, what a well-rounded life looks like, and what your best life feels like. Once you know that, you can build a business that fits into that life and surround yourself with people who give you the comfort to step or the courage to step out of your comfort zone and live your vision. If this sounds like something that you or someone you know is interested in or needs in your life, head over to defineyourlife.morethancorporate.com. We'll jump on a call and see if we're a good fit to work together. Without further ado, let's jump into this interview. Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Amber. I'm so excited to be here with you. And after we just spoke briefly, it's just, it's so exciting. And my heart is racing because there is so much that I feel like we have in common and I can relate to with your audience. And so I'm really excited to just, you know, share my story with intention of motivating and inspiring other people to just show them that, Hey, you too can do whatever you want. How can we just fight the fear and do it anyways? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the things that just rings out from your story that I think so many people can relate to is 
the growing up in a pretty normal place. I mean, I went to law school in Michigan. So when I read that you went to Michigan State, I was like, my people, you know, you grow up in this relatively normal childhood and life and you do what you're supposed to do, right? You go to college, mm-hmm. you get the degree, you start the corporate job. And at some point in time, that doesn't fulfill you anymore. So I always like to ask people for you, when you were kind of planning out what your life was going to look like, and you thought you had it all figured out at like 18, what did that Mm -hmm. life look like to you? Well, this is what is so crazy. So yeah, my background is exactly as you just summarized, very traditional school grades, college job until you retire. So what happened was basically, I always just thought my career was going to be corporate. So going from one corporate job to another corporate job and always working for someone else. My upbringing is fairly traditional as well. My background is Middle Eastern, but very Westernized Middle Eastern culture. Um, However, with my family, the number one priority is education. Nobody in my family has anything less than a master's degree. Me and actually one of my cousins are the only ones who only have a master's degree. Everyone else has their doctors or lawyers. Only a master's degree, right? That's insane. For me, you know, I got this amazing job at Dell Computers and I was there for 14 years before I resigned and I never planned on resigning. I actually was trying to go from Dell to Nike. Well, what happened was I was trying to just start up this little side hustle just because I was just trying to make more money. And I was like, oh, I, I'm underpaid. I want more money. And I never, ever, ever thought that I would leave and start my own real estate business. Um, because not only did I know nothing about it, but I'm like, that's so out of the mold of how I was raised. Like my family would never approve of this. My parents would have a heart attack. And my brother and one of my cousins, um, they did pursue entrepreneurship. And I don't want to say they, they failed because failure as entrepreneurs is a part of our success journey, but they continue to try to pursue entrepreneurial activities and they just haven't found one that has stuck. So when, when I decided to do that, and we can talk about the details whenever you would like, but my dad was like, oh my God, what? And no, because that's just not what we do. And so I just saw myself doing what my family wanted to do. I didn't want to disappoint my family. I didn't want to disappoint my parents, even though at the time I was 35 years old. And finally I snapped out of it. And I was like, I need to do within respect, what makes me happy? And it was not working a corporate job for Dell Computers. Yeah, I think that's so important because I feel like it goes both ends of the spectrum, right? You have people who their family's never been to college and they're like, we need you to do something where we want you to do something above and beyond what we've done. And then you have where that bar's already set at master's degrees and doctors and lawyers. And you're like, I just want to do, you know, this. And when you look at what you've accomplished, you have built an amazing, fantastic career doing something that your family may not have initially approved of. And you're so much happier than you were in the corporate world. And that never would have happened if you hadn't like really just taken ownership of what you wanted. Yeah. You know, I think the biggest thing for me is, and, and like, my dad did not even talk to me for two years about my real estate business. So I had started this little side hustle that I thought was just going to be a hobby. Well, what ended up happening was I believe in coaching and mentorship. And so I was like, you know what? I want to start flipping houses, even though it's going to be a little side hustle, but I don't know how to do it. So I got to find someone to show me how to do it. 
Well, in my first year of working with a coach and a mentor on accident while working a full-time job, I ended up flipping 10 houses in downtown Chicago. I say on accident because all I did was do what my coach told me to do. So not only am I having all of this amazing immediate success, plenty of failures to you guys, but in general, in year one, I had a lot of success. Remind me to share my massive failure in 2017, which almost had me quit. So in that first year, I had also signed a contract with HGTV and still my dad did not acknowledge what I was doing. Every time we would talk on the phone and he would ask me about work, I would talk about real estate and he would say, no, no, I mean Dell. Finally, one day I snapped and I'm like, dad, I don't know. Like, I don't know how Dell is doing it. I don't care. Because I, I was doing the bare minimum basically not to get fired. And so my, it actually caused a fight between my dad and I. And for 30 days, we did not talk at all. Um, finally, it's a whole nother conversation. Finally, two years later, um, he called me to tell me that he was proud of me. He didn't think I could do it. And I'll never forget that night. But, you know, for all of you who want to do things, you don't have the support of your spouse, your friends, or your family members, as long as you are confident in what it is that you want to do, then go align yourself with people on the same mission as you and just keep the end in mind, keep your head down, forget all the negativity and naysayers and just stop talking about it to the people who don't support you because you're going to waste your breath trying to get them to change their mind. So go create a circle that believes in you and talk to them and just tell your friends and family what they want to hear. Yeah, that's so powerful. And when I was looking at your bio and, and reading your story on your website, one of the things that really just stuck out at me was this conversation about mentorship. And I love what you just said. And what I love about the entrepreneurship community is for the most part, everybody just wants everybody else to succeed, right? Like totally. this- this scarcity mindset that exists in like most corporate worlds doesn't exist the same way in the entrepreneurial community. Like we just tend as a group to believe that there's enough business to go around for everybody and you're going to attract different people than I'm going to attract. And what can I do to help you be successful? Totally. And so if you don't have the support that you need in your family, go find it in your made up family of new entrepreneurs. Like there is always somebody out there who just wants you to succeed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And yep. Yeah. It's so powerful. So you decided, um, I'm finally going to go all in. When did you make that leap from like half side, having it be a side hustle to just going all in? So actually here's what happened. Um, People who know me know that I'm very transparent. I am not scripted. I don't sugarcoat. So back before, I guess, I knew any better, it was really a financial decision. After 14 years at Dell with an MBA, I was only making $87,000. Now, I say only because my finances have evolved over time. And look, $87,000 a year in this country is a lot of money. That's more than the average American. And there's a lot you can do with that. That just wasn't going to produce the results I wanted. I wasn't going to be able to live my lifestyle by design with that. And when I accidentally flipped 10 homes in one year while working a full-time job, I net that first year 120 in just real estate. And that included a $70,000 loss. So with a $70,000 loss, I net 120. And I'm like, okay, Amy, what are you doing? You just made 120 in your first year of knowing nothing about an industry that you've never worked in versus 14 years at Dell. So I wanted to quit right then and there, but I'm very stubborn. I've been a Dell for 14 years. Some of you can probably relate to this. I wanted a severance package. So <laughs> I, 
not only did I like beg and like I announced it, I was asking for it for six months. I dragged it out. I finally did not get the severance package. And a friend of mine who's an executive there called and said, Amy, will you just quit? Because I just got out of a meeting and they're about to put you on a performance improvement plan. So I said, fine, I will leave. And I ended it on great terms. And it's crazy. I had so much fear, but the minute I made that decision, it's like this huge weight was lifted off my shoulders because I knew I was on the right path and I was in the right circle. And I have never looked back. And that was in early 2015. I mean, I feel like that was nine lives ago. Yeah, it's so crazy how fast times flies, especially when you're in this world and you just, you, we have so much stuff going on at a time, right? It's not like you just right. go and, and then you go home and you live your life. Like this entrepreneurial journey becomes your life and you just have so much going on. How did HGTV make it into your sphere of things? Because that's pretty cool. Yeah, it really is. I was an HGTV junkie. So for me to sit here and look at my experiences with them is crazy. I still can't believe that I did a four-part series with them. And this is the power of having goals, you guys, and the power of networking and sharing your goals and just announcing it to the world is I was interviewing a virtual assistant and um, she was based in the U.S. And she asked me, you know, Tamil, what are your short and long-term goals? Because she wanted to know if there was growth with me. And I said to her, you know, I've never shared this with anyone, but one of my long-term goals is to get my own TV show. And and I just kind of danced over it and went on to the next topic. Well, she said, well, wait, my mom is a producer for House Hunters at HGTV. Would you like an introduction? And I actually said no. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, no, no, thanks. They're like, I want my own show. I don't want to be on House Hunters. Well, then two days later, because the foundation of my success and everyone's definition of success is different, but my foundation has been the power of networking, knowing how to talk to people, knowing how to approach people, knowing what to say to people. And so two days later, I was like, Amy, what are you doing? Like, this is an amazing networking opportunity. Go back to Whitney and accept the introduction. So I did. And then me and Laura was the producer. We just, we hit it off. And, it, and coincidentally at that time, I really was looking to sell my condo and to move into a single family home because House Hunters really does pride itself on working with traditional homeowners. So we technically were able to, to do one episode. Well, then it was cool for me because I ended up developing such a great relationship with them that I was able to break their mold. And so they did a four part series of, oh, here's Amy's path from being a traditional home buyer in corporate America into, you know, a full-time investor and pursuing her path in entrepreneurship. So that's kind of what happened. That's awesome. And we're going to get into networking and your book here in just a minute, because you've taken all of these amazing ideas of networking and, and put it into this resource for people to learn from. But I want to touch on what you just said before we do that, because so many people go into networking with an agenda. Like if this person can't give me what I need, then what's the point? When you kind of strip that away and say, okay, I just want to make connections. Let me just mm -hmm. meet this person and make connections and see what happens down the road. Sometimes, especially with those big, amazing opportunities that change our lives, people need to know you for six months to a year to really get to know you before they kind of give all their favors away to refer you to this person, right? So building those relationships is so important. Oh my God, you just took the words right out of my mouth. So I have a hundred things I could share here. Okay, you guys take your agendas and throw them out the window. Your agenda is irrelevant. 
when I, the first thing I needed to do as I transitioned out of corporate America into entrepreneurship was build my power team because I didn't know what I was doing. So I wanted to build my team of experts. So I had to get out there and network. And what I started to discover was how many people do not know how to network. Now, you guys, traditional means of networking is very one-sided. It's, oh, I'm going to go hand out 500 business cards. Throw your business cards in the garbage. Nobody cares about your business cards. What they care about is you making an impression. So take your agenda and take your business cards, throw them out the window and just be a normal person. Just do you, just be you, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, it doesn't matter. So go to these events, genuinely wanting to know, Hey, why are you here? What brings you here today? Are you here alone? What's your biggest challenge? How can I help you? So like you said, Amber, be a super connector. Think about how can we best serve others? How can we help them solve a problem? Don't, worry about working the room and who's the next person you're going to talk to be present and focused and get to know like you said earlier who you're talking to because for those of you who would like to write this down um, I'm going into teaching mode right now one of my mentors taught me a know like and trust concept that has stuck with me until this day so no is number one no you want your audience to know you and vice versa because when they get to know you, then they're going to decide, do I like you again? And vice versa, this goes both ways. So once your audience knows you, and that's basically your 20 second, I don't want to call it an elevator pitch, like a 20 second power pitch, then you and they will decide, okay, do we like each other? Are we jiving? Do we connect? Hey, do we finish each other's sentences? At this point, if you don't like the person you're talking to, who cares if they can help you or vice versa, move on because you do not want to build a relationship with somebody that you just cannot connect with. Because once you get to know somebody and like them, then number three is trust. And yeah, Amber, that takes time to establish. But once you've established trust, you have got an ally who is going to hustle and work for you, whether it's helping you with referrals and building your team or investing in you and your company. So that's kind of the three-step process you want to keep in mind. Yeah, I, I think that that's so powerful and interesting because so many people out there think, okay, I got a business, so now I need business cards. And that was true 10, 15 years ago. But now okay. social media has it to where if I want to find you, I know where to find you. Like Totally. If I want to connect with you, I know where to connect with you. And if I don't know where to connect with you, that's your fault not mine. Um, like, so to me, business cards, like everybody thinks, Oh, a business card makes me official. And it's breaking that mindset out. Um, because you know, business cards are just like dead trees that get thrown away when people have like this drawer of crap that they never, they go right into the garbage. Yeah. I love the HGTV story that you told because of the fact that number one, it required you to like actually have a conversation and throw that agenda out the window, but also like so many people go into it with, the what's in it for me, even if they don't have an agenda, like, what am I going to get out of this? Instead of showing up to say, you know what, what can I bring to this person? What can I give this person expecting nothing in return? Exactly. And when you follow the ladder of the two giving first, right, then you guys naturally the law of reciprocity will find its way back to you. So don't worry about that. Your needs will get fulfilled by you just genuinely helping others. Yeah, absolutely. So your book, what is it called? My book is called Networking with a Purpose. And it's funny because I'm not an author. I was always terrible at reading in English. I hated reading growing up. So my book, I I actually write the way I speak. And here's a great example. I took My book was done two years before I published it because I was so scared about getting criticized and judged and 
oh, I need to have a professional editor, you know, review this. And I finally was like, actually, one of my mentors told me, you better publish this before your 40th birthday. My birthday's August 9th. I published August 7th. Um, <laughs> so it's called Networking with a Purpose. And yeah, I share my journey and my story and my path to entrepreneurship, but it's so relatable because the foundation of all of that is how I was able to, how I was able to strategically network and simply leverage from the existing relationships and resources around me that we all have access to in order to get to where I wanted to go personally and professionally. You know, things like how do we efficiently talk to people on LinkedIn? Um, how do we take advantage of our time in a car with an Uber driver? Um, how do we maximize back when more people were flying our time on an airplane when we're sitting next to people? So everything to start, yes, is calculated, but in a constructive way to where eventually it just becomes like a sixth, a sixth sense, second nature. You don't even realize that it's happening. Yeah. And my favorite part about what you just said is that the majority of traditional networking, you think, okay, I'm going to network at this date at this time for this long, and I'm going to talk to this many people and give out this many business cards. And then you just mentioned in a book about networking, Uber rides and plane rides and conversations, you know, with friends in a car. And I'll add to that, you know, happy hours with friends. Totally. That, you yeah. know, everything's a networking opportunity. And I want to um, kind of go into a little bit the importance of being authentic at these things, because I feel like so many people put on a face for traditional networking events, and then you meet them outside of that, and that's not who they really are. So you talked yeah. about this like portion. How can you find out whether you like somebody if you don't even know who they are? Yeah. And it starts with you. So you want to first figure out what are you doing there? Like if you're going to a networking event because you have to go, you're already off to the wrong start. You're, you want to go to a networking event that you are choosing to go to and that you want to go to. So if, if you just, if, if you're like, Amy, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I'm happy with my corporate job. Okay, fine. Well, maybe you're in the wrong department or maybe you're yeah. with the wrong company. Go find another one. But it's you asking questions, right? So just ask them, even though you may have a power pitch, a 20 second power pitch, it's just you getting to know your audience. Let them talk. People love talking about themselves, right? So just ask them questions and you're going to get to know very quickly. Are they constantly talking about um, how much money they have or how much, how many materialistic things they have or, and if that's the case and that's not you, well, I don't think that's going to be a good match. And hey, maybe that is you and that's great. Well, then you guys can hand it off and go talk about how many watches you guys own together. But it's just ask the other person questions and let them talk because as they talk, you're going to figure out, this is kind of your quote unquote interview, right? As to whether or not you like that person. Yeah. And I think that it's so important to point out because I, lo I love what you said about, you know, if an entrepreneurism isn't for you, then that's great. I mean, this show is all about defining your own idea of success. If your idea of success is working a nine to five for minimum wage and not, I, I, nobody's here to judge that, but be happy with it. And if you're not right. happy with it, then change it. Um, mm -hmm. But this networking idea isn't just for entrepreneurs. Like if you want to raise up corporate ladder and you think you can do that without networking and like rubbing shoulders with some people and getting to know people, you are sadly mistaken. I'm going to be really disappointed. Yeah. I mean, it's 24 seven. The minute you leave your house, you are wearing your networking and marketing hat, whether it's the cashier at the grocery store, your neighbors, you've got kids who play sports, their coaches, the parents of the kids who are on their 
teams. It's, it's just, and again, it's being humble and subtle, right? It's not just like throwing it out there, but again, there are strategies and ways that you can talk to people. But I was just surprised at how many people didn't look at it that way. Now for me, again, this happens to be a towering strength, which is why I wrote the book about it. I have so many weaknesses. So that's the only reason I wrote the book is so many of my students were saying, oh my God, Amy, you have got to spread your message because like, that's amazing. And I never looked at it. I still think it's crazy when I sit down with people and they take three pages of notes, like frantically taking notes over a 30 minute coffee break. I'm like, oh my God, like, I still can't believe it. Like, don't don't you know, like, isn't that common sense? But it's, it's not. Yeah. And, you know, before we went on, I was telling you how impressed I was with your, with your bio and you're like, I'm just a regular person. I'm like, everybody (laughs) that has anything to say says they're just a regular person, right? Because the person that's out there that says, oh, I'm fantastic. Look at me probably doesn't have as much to say as they think they do. It's funny because a part of networking, you guys, is your personality, right? So here's a great example that some of you may be able to relate to. Like before I decided to start you know, this business or multiple businesses really pursue entrepreneurship in general, I had a very, I had a side of me that was not patient. I was intolerable. I had no time for ignorance. And I would tell you if I was upset with you. So we (laughs) joke about this with my family. Like I literally had an anger management journal um, (laughs) where like I remember checking in for a flight and the representative at the American airline desk, like made me tag my own bag. And I was like, what kind of, I was like, what kind of service is this? I said something to her and I was rude and I will not use profanity, but I was like not being nice to her. And so I took out my anger management journal and I started writing in it. Cause that was an unnecessary outburst. And I, and I wish I would have kept it. I threw it away because I was so embarrassed. So finally, after so many entries, I was like, I'm tired of writing in my journal. I stopped. But the reason I wanted to work on that was because nobody wants to work with you if you're going to be angry and you're like wandering all around town, like yelling at the person at the grocery store for not bagging your groceries properly, (laughs) (laughs) which I've done all of this. Could you imagine the Amy's anger management journal book? Like you could just publish that in its own because I guarantee you that everybody out there has thought exactly what you put in your journal. They just didn't voice it. But now you're right. I'm like, I wish I would have kept it and published it or something. Right? Because if nothing else, it would be like an amazing thing to remember. So let's switch gears just a little bit. This podcast, like I've said before, is about defining your own idea of success. And so I love hearing what other people think success means. So how do you define success for yourself? Yeah. And that's a great question. I mean, so for me, success means just doing the things that I want to do. So now that I'm older and wiser, it has nothing to do with like when I was younger, I thought success meant making a lot of money. I thought my why when I first got into entrepreneurship was to make a lot of money. No, absolutely not. That may be a subset of it. But to me, I, I, my husband and I, we love to travel and we remind ourselves really every day, almost how 
fortunate we are. Um, we're not lucky because we've worked very hard to get to where we are. We busted our butts, but we realized that we don't live normal lives. Like we took four international vacations last year. Um, we live in a house on the ocean in La Jolla, California half the year. And the other half of the year, we live in a high rise condo in downtown Chicago. We get to help our families on certain occasions. Like we all probably do like financially, like there's just so much that we get to do and and yeah having money helps us do those things but we are not materialistic people i will shop at forever 21 we have one car it's a ford our condo in downtown chicago is a one bedroom one bath 850 square feet there's three of us in our family by the way but we don't care to us success means experiences in life and just being able to spend time with the people that we love while also get getting to do the things that we love that's super powerful. And I love that definition. Um, so many people throw out words that they don't take the time to define for themselves. And these words um, include success and fulfillment and happiness. And so I'm interested for you, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer based upon your definition of success, but how do success and fulfillment relate for you? Does one come before the other one or are they unrelated? No, they're definitely related in my opinion, because look, whatever, I think they go hand in hand because for me, um, when I'm fulfilled, then to me, that means success. And I'm, I'm living my best life and I'm doing the things I want to do. All that said though, I always believe in continuous growth and development. I still have coaches and mentors personally and professionally. I have a therapist. I'm 42. My generation thinks back in the day, if you had a therapist, oh my God, you were like a problem child and who has you know, a therapist, unless you're a bad kid. Well, no, it's why do I struggle with anger? You know, how can I get over that? Or how come I'm always late when that's the one thing that annoys my husband? It's just, how can I just be the best version of myself, both personally and professionally? And I definitely think fulfillment and success go hand in hand. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And um, I always feel bad because I um, love pointing out my guests' failures, if that sounds awful. And so I have to ask nope. you just because everybody yeah. out there fails so much. So you mentioned a massive failure in 2017. And before we yeah. wrap up, I would love to hear what that was and how it led to your success. I mean, I still, like, I just got a huge, like, pit in my stomach because... <laughs> you guys, it's all a part of the journey, right? If you look at an entrepreneurial graph, you have highs and lows and, you know, our failures, our mistakes, those are lessons learned. And if we're not making mistakes and screwing things up, then we're not learning and we're not growing. Every no gets you closer to your yes. Every failure gets you closer to your end result. So even though I had a lot, a lot of immediate success when I pursued my passion in entrepreneurship, there was a time, and this was about two years in, maybe three. I got, uh, I got, I guess greedy. Um, and I bought too much too soon and it became hard for me to manage. I was starting to compromise the ethics within my team, not the ethics, the, the, um, not ethics. I always perform with high ethics. The, the, basically the culture, I was hiring contractors that didn't really fit our culture because I was desperate to try to get work done. And, um, it kind of ended up being the perfect storm. We all hire shady contractors. Unfortunately, it's a part of the industry in real estate. But because I bought too much within three blocks at a $1.4 million price point, so I have $11 million in inventory, all my homes 
this was not the plan, but they all happened to hit the market at the same time. I created my own, my own, you know, quote unquote competition. So, um, and at that price point where I live, it's a very small buyer pool. So basically my homes weren't selling. So I had to significantly drop the prices. Well, to make a very long story short, um, and I'm very open about this. I ended up losing $1.4 million. And, wow. um, and every day it was in 2017, every day I would, come home and I would cry to my husband, but every day I focused on problem solving. Yes, I came close to thinking about filing for bankruptcy. You know how easy it would have been for me to call up my investors and be like, you know what, you made an investment, I don't have to pay you back. I could have done that, no problem. And people do that all the time, but why? Once you know how to make money in real estate, it's so easy to make money. And I can't sleep at night knowing that I have lost somebody's retirement account. So I didn't do that. I problem solved for one full year. I cried every day. I was at the doctor's office at least once a month. I didn't sleep and I figured it out. I sold all my assets. I put liens against my primary residence. I drained my retirement account. I put people on payment plans, but I figured it out. And oh, by the way, I got engaged that year and I had to plan a wedding, which was <laughs> the best thing I wanted to do. But now depending on what you're doing. So the, the takeaway here is perseverance will prevail. So take accountability for your own actions. It's not my you know, my acquisitions manager's fault that I bought them, which is my fault. I made the decision to pull the trigger um, and just problem solve every day and you will figure it out. Don't throw in the towel. When you have skill sets in your industry that are intangible, then you'll be able to rebuild. So for me, because I knew how to raise capital in my business, I was able to continue raising capital to continue flipping houses. I just changed my strategy. I didn't buy $1.4 million homes. I bought homes at a half million dollars that would sell much faster. So because I knew how to raise capital, I could flip more homes to make more money to pay back investors. So it's just, don't quit, just change your strategy. If you're in an industry that you love and you've built your team and you've acquired and developed an amazing skill set, then how can we just change your strategy so that you can just rebuild? It's all a part of the journey. Yes, that's such a powerful story. And I love that there's the, the um, learnings and the positive outcome in the end because, you know, we all fail so much in what we yeah. do, but we only like actually fail if we just give up and quit trying. So, and, and right at that hard spot where you're like, I can't take this anymore is normally where you're about to break through where you need yes, to be. Totally. And it's so crazy. Earlier, I told you guys, my dad, right, was a huge naysayer, did not support me. Well, what's crazy is as I was going through this, the most difficult year of my entire life, I, ironically enough, it was my dad who was calling me every day saying, you got this, do a price drop, one more property to go, or two more properties to go, like keep your head up. So for me to see how my dad had come full circle and was now my biggest advocate was like, so crazy and it was so rewarding too i mean i can share the story now without crying but this has not been happening for very long i normally would cry until recently but it's just it's made me stronger and for those of you who go through you know challenges even if it's a different on a different scale it's, it's just going to make you stronger so figure it out and move on to the next project and just pr continue to pursue your passion I love it. Um, before we wrap up, where can people track you down if they want to connect with you or if they want to pick up a copy of your book or learn more about your coaching programs? What's the best place for them to reach out to you? Sure. The best would be my website, which is amymajori.com. You can do all of the above on amymajori.com, including connecting with me on social media. Um, or if you are 
a real estate investor and you're interested in learning more about how to raise capital, um, you can go to raisingprivatemoneymasterclass.com. Perfect. So before we wrap up, I just want to do a quick random round, let everybody get to know you a little bit. Are you okay with that? I am nervous, but ready. It's all right. It's not too painful. Um, if you could do any profession other than what you are currently doing, what would you like to attempt? I would still like to host my own TV show. Love it. If you could time travel, where would you go and why? Oh, back to the Gatsby period. That'd be it just so seems much fun. very, I mean, I know it's a whole different world, right? It just seems very, yeah, it just seems fun. When you're reading, do you prefer physical books or are you an audiobook listener? Audio. If I do physical books, I'll fall asleep. <laughs> and do you have a resource that you um, rely on or recommend to people in the entrepreneurial space, whether it's mindset or strategy, a book that you recommend? Oh, a book for entrepreneurs. You know, um, I really loved The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. He talks about just basically if you're an entrepreneur and you're starting a business or you're revamping a business, just creating systems and how that basically paves the way. Systematizing everything makes your business eventually run on autopilot. I love it. And last question, because I'm a music nerd and I always need to know, what is your pump up song? What do you listen to that you just can't have a bad day when you listen to it? Okay. You're never going to believe this because country and pump up music have, do not go <laughs> hand in hand. But it's country music, specifically Zach Brown Band, Ooh. specifically Chicken Fry. Yes. Okay. I can totally relate to that, but that is as far from what I would have expected I know. as possible. <laughs> like I see Chicago, I see LA, I see Middle Eastern, and then you say country. Yeah, so. country. Yeah, no, I lived in Texas for 10 years. I will work out to country music. Like I will work out to sad Brad Paisley country music. I love, I love it. it. I love that. It's so funny that you say that because when I work out with my personal trainer, he's like, what do you want to listen to? I'm like country and then something will come on and he'll be like is this too slow I'm like Shh, no it's fine <laughs> yeah, I love it that's awesome well thank you so much for coming on the show I really really appreciated it and I just love your story and what you're doing so I really thank you for your time thank you Amber I love being a part of it it was so great getting to chat with you and your audience and getting to know more about you so thank you so much Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in.